to Sound Medicine, mantras and music podcast, where you will hear from various healers, musicians, visionaries, and educators. Get ready to experience transformational and inspiring storytelling, songs, chants, and interviews that will uplift your spirits, mood, and health. Welcome to Sound Medicine. Today we have a very special guest. Erica Buenaflor, who has a master's degree in religious studies with a focus on Mesoamerican shamanism from the University of California at Riverside. She's been practicing curandera for over 20 years, descending from a long line of grandmother curanderas, and she has studied with healers in Mexico, Peru, Los Angeles, and gives presentations and talks and teachings all over the world. She has written many books including Curanderismo, Soul Retrieval, Ancient Shamanic Wisdom to Restore Sacred Energy to the Soul. She's also written Cleansing Rites of Curanderismo, Spiritual Olympias of Ancient Mesoamerican Shamans. And she has a new book coming out this year she will be speaking about. She draws on 20 years of experience working with curanderos, and she'll describe what this is and the ancient shamanic healing traditions of Mexico and Maya. And she provides a step-by-step guide for curanderismo practice of soul retrieval in her teachings. She helps us explore how to retrieve sacred energy or soul fragments, as well as resolve cases of soul theft on detailing the journey of non-ordinary realms and how to integrate lost parts of ourselves through various methods. We delve into uh, sound as healing, into limpias, exploring these realms of shamanism and the elements of curanderismo and soul retrieval. And I found this to be a very fascinating discussion. And she shares with us some, some wonderful stories tips and tricks, and I think you will, you will enjoy. So without further ado, here's our interview. So welcome to the Sound Medicine Mantras and Music Podcast, Erica. Very excited to have you. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Joe. And I understand you have a, a master's degree in religious studies with a focus on Mesoamerican shamanism from UC Riverside, and you've Practice as a, a curandera. Am I pro- pronouncing that correctly? That's perfect. For about 20 years. And uh, your studies run deep through various lineages in Mexico, Peru. And I'm really excited and our audience is really excited for you to share with us uh, your knowledge and wisdom on this subject. And I'd love for you to just explain to start off, what is curanderismo and how did you get involved in this practice? Curanderismo, it's a shamanic healing practice. And the basic principles of curanderismo come from the indigenous people of the Americas. For me personally, it's Mesoamerica, which is a Mesoamerican plateau, which includes the uh, what we identify contemporary Nahuatl, uh, that was the Aztec, the Mixtec, the Yucatec Mayan, various indigenous traditions that throughout various factors and history and all these things began incorporating understandings of Catholicism, of African Caribbean traditions, Native American traditions. But the root of our traditions are from the indigenous people of the Americas. And they incorporate everything from healing to divination work 
to um, shamanic journeying, uh, you name it. Yeah, we've we've done we and and it's it's very fluid because we integrate a lot of different things. It's not just like it's all like boxed in. Like okay, well, I'm going to do healing work here. I'm going to be doing journey work here. It's divination. It's a lot of it is they complement one another. They're synergistic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how did you get involved? And in this is this part of what you grew up with, like your your own family, or is it something you? more studied in the literature and then you kind of sought out teachers. Uh, what has been your path with this? Uh, a little bit of everything. It's, it's a little complicated now, especially for, for most of us that are drawn into the practice and those of us who are first generation, uh, because in a lot of parts of Mexico, especially indigenous practices, they're not something that they're looked upon nicely, <laughs> especially with Mexicanos. Like just, they're just not, so it's, it's even though it's like, uh, I'll make an analogy. Okay. And this, this relates to the answering your question, because it's not that simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and this is something that a lot, the, the, it's romanticized. And, and we have at the, the Mes- Mexican palace, we have Diego Rivera's mural with the indigenous people coming together and changing, but it's something that's idealized. Mm-hmm. Um, so even though my great, great grandmother as my mom shared stories with me and, and some other family members shared um, stories was a very well-known curandera because of industrialism and all these other complex factors, those understanding our practices, even though they were there, we understood what certain herbs were good for what they did. We did certain things. It was becoming more modernized. It was a sense of like becoming more Western and with different, different flows and different ways. So how I became involved in it is I saw my great great grandmother she did some some healing work with food and I remember her energy and I remember certain things too of my mom going and with my tias getting drinking chamomile and mint tea for headaches for tummy aches and I saw certain things in my nurse and my my aunt my my aunt my grandmother she actually went to a nursing school so that that tendency to want to go into healing practices was there but it was much more modern so there were certain memories of that that I remember growing up. And then it really came to me when I was in, um, in undergrad. You know, I came at a time when I was speaking Spanish, being Mexican was just not something that you wanted. You didn't want to speak Spanish. And that's what I, my language was. And I remember being smacked in the ruler one time in kindergarten because I didn't understand what they were saying. They were speaking in English. And it was, um, it was just not something that assimilation was a big thing when I came here. So it wasn't until I got into college that I really started just opening up to my traditions and started like going like, wow, this is so cool and being drawn to curanderismo. And I remember getting involved in social justice issues and also getting involved in independent studies on curanderismo itself. I was very much drawn to it. And then because I was very much involved in social justice issues, I decided to go to law school. and. Um, my second year in law school, I was I actually met by synchronicity my first two set of mentors, which they just opened me up. Mm-hmm. And um and then for about for about the next seven years, I began going to uh to the Yucatan, Mexico for about four every four to six months and studying with them, mentoring with them. And then in 2005, I slipped, I had all these fractures and I put into practice everything that I learned 
I was in a wheelchair for almost a year. I was told that I was never going to walk again. I'd be in the pain the rest of my life. Um, and I wow. practiced everything that I had learned. And after not walking for almost a year, I walked with a completely normal gait in less than two weeks. And I also transcended all their limitations that I was going to be able to walk. So I lost half the bones in my right ankle. I'd be in pain the rest of my life because my coccyx completely shattered. I'm not in pain. I walked with a normal gait. It was just putting into practice was when I really, I mean, I was already a mentee, but it was very much from a space of like, oh, I don't know why I'm doing this. I'm just kind of doing it. I'm just, I was just, I just was like, okay, I surrender. I get it. (laughs) I'm going to stop doubting. I'm going to start putting into practice. And that was a process of myself of doing a lot of internal healing from a lot of integrating just a lot of who we are as, as our indigenous history, our indigenous culture, our indigenous traditions and embracing them. So let me, let me back up here a second. Where it's like, well, I went to school and I got a kid and that's how I got it. I mean, I did go to school um, in the middle when I was, um, I knew after my accident that I was like, I, you know, I was working on social, I was determined on working on social justice issues, but it just wasn't, it was just, it was like, okay, I've given people money, but there's more to it than this. I want to do more than this. Of course. And, um, and I went to grad school because I thought, well, maybe I'll get a PhD and I'll sneak it in somehow and work it in. And I was very much because I was like, no, my mom was the first one to go to college. My father was the first one to go to college. He graduated when he was 16 with an engineering degree. I mean, I was supposed to be a professional, you know what I mean? So it was one of those things that I really had to like, also like unravel and like heal on myself and be like, okay, how, what is this going to look like for me? And I, and I was practicing as a curandera, but it, it took some time to really step in and be and embrace and do it in a way where it was like, like a spiritual gangster. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is what I am. This is who yeah. I am. embrace all of my gifts, all of my, all of my training and experience it and, and bring it forward in the practice of what I do. Well, that's really, that's incredible. And I can relate to that in a lot of ways. And um, I mean, first of all, my background is I have a doctorate in physical therapy. So I know that to be in a wheelchair for a year, you lose how much muscle mass you lose, how much, how much bone problems you have, how much pain you're in, how long that recovery takes. And it's way longer than two weeks in terms of out of a wheelchair and feeling better. So there's definitely something to what you're saying in terms of like uh, facilitating that healing process. And like, that's pretty incredible because that can take a long, long time to heal from something like that. And I would like to delve into the, the, the implications of how is curandera, is that equivalent to a synonym with as healer? Is that, is that accurate or is that, uh, because I'm just curious, you know, when I have a, and I'm kind of delving into the subject. We talk about soul retrieval as one aspect. Then we're talking about physical healing. And then we're talking about bringing in herbs and meditation and tones. There's all the synergistic effect of, you know, it's almost like uh, my, I'm more familiar with uh, the Ayurvedic perspective, which is very, it seems similar. You're like just bring in the natural elements and all that's, that can support one in healing. So I guess my question is, what, how do you, how, how is this defined in terms of like, is it healing? Is that what we're talking about? And what is healing? What is the what is what does it mean to heal in in your mind and the perspective from a physical and beyond that level? Okay, so it's important to have the context in this, right? Yes. There were hundreds, if not, I mean, just hundreds of different types of 
healers, shamanic healers, brujos, like uh, brujex, like people who work magic, people who, they had different specialties in mm-hmm. Mesoamerica. Um, and some did many different things, right? And when the Spaniards came, and I'll give you an example, Jacinto de la Serna, he is a, he is a yeah, 17th century ethnographer. This was like about a hundred years after the conquest. He writes about a curandero and that's what he calls him because the word uh, curandera, curandero, the root word of it, cura, is to heal, right? Mm-hmm. And he talks, he describes this curandero that, because, you know, they're documenting, they're, they're talking about like all our practices and we're still pagans and blah, 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 all this stuff, right? So they're trying to find out about us and express our, our tradition so they can shift us, mm-hmm. which never really happened. But anyway, so he describes this curandero who went into a lady's house to heal her and goes into the room and comes out, but comes out as a white dog. A shapeshift, a shapeshifter. Wow. And and then, you know, the lady, the wife starts beating the, the white dog, like hitting him, like, bam, bam, you know, just like, <laughs> she, she didn't recognize, she didn't know he was a shapeshifter. So then after he, he comes inside and he comes as a human, he's like, why did you hit me? I'm here to kill your husband. And she's like, what? Like, that was you? She's like, yeah, that was me. Your husband's healed. And then there's a lot of other uh, things that Alarcón and also, also they both do. They both talk about um, shapeshifters who were curanderics and, and that could bilocate into different places that, and, and they were divination. They did different works with, with herbs, but they all got lumped under the category of curandero because one of the things that they did was heal. Uh-huh. Um, and also do divination, but everybody got like, every, and the ones who um, were problem, problem, make, problem makers the ones who like got people incited into like independence and things like that. Those were the ones that were witches. They were brujeks. Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Although they could also heal too. <laughs> on, on, on if they liked you, if they didn't like you. <laughs> got it. Got it. So there's a common thread of what may be called a curandera or curandero and that is healing. You're, you're healing in some capacity. And then what is your definition of to heal? What is the, who does the healing and what is healing? Um, well, that's also a paradigm shift too. Okay. Um, huge, 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 huge paradigm shift. When somebody comes to me for a session, uh-huh. I, I give them homework. I hold space for them to clear energy to clear the energy of limited type of thinking, to help strengthen a connection with soul, with their soul pieces, to say, okay, this is what your soul piece is asking for. This is what you need to do. This is your homework. So ultimately, I may facilitate energetic healing. I may facilitate energetic rescripting. I may facilitate ancestral connections, ancestral clearing of energy. But ultimately, the person is the healer because guess what? They have to do the work. Mm-hmm. I show them the door. They got to walk through the door. <laughs> so what is, what is, yeah, you know, for sure. Tell me like, oh my God, thank you. My life has changed. This has happened, blah, blah, blah. My response is always, thank you for doing your work. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned a few things here. So again, what is, what is healing? Well, how do we define, how do we define it? What is, what does that look like in the eyes of a curandera? Well, Healing, I mean, as a way I approach it, I can't speak for everybody, but generally, curanderics, generally we approach it holistically. We approach it, what's going on physically. You know, for example, like if someone tells me that they're experiencing serious insomnia, and this, this may sound odd, <laughs> you know, one of the questions I might ask them, like, well, when's the last time you cleanse your, your um, living space? 
And they look at me just like really confused. It's like, what does my living space have anything to do with me having insomnia? And I say, because you're, especially if they're working in stressful jobs, which most of us do work in some aspect, some aspect it's stressful, some aspect maybe, that they're coming home with this energy and that energy needs to be moved. So hence they're being woken up by this energy and they're not able to sleep through the night because of that energy. Mm-hmm. So you approach it in that way or someone comes to me and I, and I also may approach or I may recommend some herbs to take. Um, I may, may recommend lemongrass, chamomile, time just depending on what they, they tell me to what, what they also tell me. Also, I may recommend some things for their diet. I may recommend some certain focuses for their emotional and mental well-being. We approach things on a very holistic manner. We don't look at every at us experiencing life separately. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a holistic way of approaching healing. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. And, yeah. you know, and so many people, stress <laughs> plays such a, a huge role. And a lot of people do carry uh, mentally a lot of baggage and have problems sleeping. And I can, I'm guessing a lot of people don't clear their space. Is, that, is there a simple technique that you can offer our listeners to, to, to do? Yes. So there is one that's very simple. It's a couple handfuls of Epsom salt, a splash of rubbing alcohol. Now I hear rubbing alcohol. I've been getting access to it. So thank God. <laughs> and it could be anything above 50 and over uh, percent alcohol and any dry herbs. You put them in a pot that is just used for your limpias, for your cleanses, your living space cleanses. And you set, you know, you put a match in it and that clean, that clears out the space, you and everything in it just instantaneously. Um, but you have to, you have to make sure that you don't use a pot for cooking, but it's just used for that because you don't want to eat the energy in there as well. And another thing too is. And do you just do it in your, in your kitchen or do you walk around the house with it or you. I walk around, I walk around the house for it, but I'm not, I'm mindful of magic and I'm careful with it. I mean, I'm not scared of it. A fire, a fire. I'm sorry, a fire. I'm not, some people are like, oh, I'm going to set it down. And that's cool. You can set it down, but then you have to go in every room and do that. I like to walk around. I like to sing a song, a medicine song for the, the, the space. I feel that it's an offering for the living space. It helps clear the space. It's honoring. It's loving the space. It's, it's part of the clearing. So I like to walk around and, and circle my pot and, and sing a, a clearing song, a medicine Beautiful. song. <laughs> and for those of us that don't know many songs to clear, would you, is there a simple one we could say, or we, we could do, or um, there's, well, there's, there's one. And you just repeat that. And you can expound on it too, but that's like the basic thing. So, but I mean, that's like the basic, like it's, I don't know. Keep going. Do it. Do it. We'll do it twice through. I want to, I want to hear it. I want to hear it. (laughs) Yeah, it's beautiful. It really is. So so let's say we have, we want to clear our space. We have a pot. We put Epsom salts in there. How much Epsom salts? Um, just a couple handfuls. Okay. Handfuls. And is there water in there as well? No, no. Okay. Um, just dry herbs. They have to be dry. All herbs have cleansing properties. Doesn't matter what herbs. All herbs have cleansing properties. And if there's something that you feel guided to use, use it. It's, it's nothing specific. Good thing about curanderismo is that it's very intuitive. Okay. You know, first and foremost, it doesn't have to be like, oh my God, I forget. It's very intuitive. So let yourself be intuitive in the process and open your heart as you're doing it. So, open heart, rubbing alcohol, dry herbs, and you light a match. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, okay. And, yeah. And then we walk around our house, our space, and then we sing a song. And if you could do it slow and clear it's for our listeners, I think they'd really appreciate it. Can you do it like a few times around, and then we'll delve deeper into the subject of Olympia? Sure. <laughs> Everybody's going to be sleeping better after doing that. <laughs> um, yeah. So how do, is, what's the difference between something like this and Olympia? How would you define Olympia and when is that used and what exactly is Olympia? Well, okay. So Olympia, it's generally, it's a cleanse, right? Okay. Um, and at the same time, you can use it for divination work. You can use it for manifestation for magic. It's, it's multi-purpose and, and use, right? It's, it's so many different things. Like for example, you can do in a seven day candle, a uh, seven day candle, the kind that come in glasses. Um, you can do write a petition. You can put your seven day candle on it. And depending on how the candle is burning, how the wick is going, and also what your glass looks like after the candle is burnt, you can get a sense of what needs to be done. If it's like black, for example, like if the, if the glass turns black, you know that there needs to be a little more work around that or a lot more work around that. If it's nice and clear, you know, the, th- the situation is going to turn out graceful and smooth. And anytime it's, it's, so it's doing a clearing, opening up spaces for things. And in my book, Cleansing Rites of Curanderismo, I talk about the uh, four fundamental elements of um, limpias. One is doing limpias with fire, which is example, like the, the white fire, velaciones, or what we call a puro which is with a rolled cigar or, you know, there's various kinds of fire limpias that you can do. And also water, water is a big one too, uh, where you can uh, do baños, spiritual baths um, and, and various things with, with baños and also what's known as a platica, a heart straightening talk, which was also very, all these things were very important for the indigenous people. And you still see them today. And then there's also space limpias, which is, I just, I just talked about too. So those are the four the fundamental limpias that you that mm-hmm. add on and that you build on and you can do all kinds of things with them. You can make them as simple as you want or as complex as you like. Uh, can you talk about how you would use Olympia? Let's say you're not feeling well or you're in a healing in the context of healing or feeling better, like somebody's going through some challenges physically or emotionally. Is that is that a how would you use Olympia in that situation? So I'll give an example. Um, last night, my husband was like, came to me and it's like, because we, we don't, we don't, we don't drink um, alcohol and uh-huh. he made a kombucha batch and I think he left it fermented too long and I think he got a little tipsy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and he came over and he's like, honey, I think I, I, I fermented too long. I don't feel good. I don't like this. <laughs> it's like, can you give me a limpia? 
(laughs) So I'm like, okay, so I got my tobacco and I smudged him with some tobacco and I got some Florida water, sprayed him with some Florida bottle, ran ran a rattle across uh, his body. And I did, I used a feather fan to to just wipe that energy away. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, and then after he's like, okay, I'm good. (laughs) It's as simple as that. Yeah. 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 It'd be as simple as you want or as complex as you like. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And so do you typically sing when you do your healing ceremonies or do you, cause a lot of our listeners are interested in the, in the role of sound and healing and, and your, and all of your studies and your practices, what have you seen is the role of song in the healing process? Oh my God. It's big. It's part of our traditions, our oral traditions um, in singing and sharing uh, me personally. Sometimes I will sing when I'm journeying with people and I always use sound in all of my journeys, whether it's working with a drum or a battle. And that's usually in a, in a group setting. When I work one-on-one with people, I like to use the Tibetan singing bowl because uh, I really feel that before and during that it helps seal the energy around our subtle fields, our auric bodies, um, and also our internal energy fields just to help vibrate them and put them in a certain frequency and to integrate us. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always, in, I always, always use sound. And like, for example, um, tomorrow, Thursday, we're going to be doing a sound bath ceremony where we're integrating the principles of the energies of these months by known by the ancient Mesoamerican people of community building and prosperity. Where we're going to be doing a full moon magical ride. We're going to be using sound of you know, the bowls, Tibetan singing bowls. Uh, we're going to be using crystal bowls and gongs and we'll be drumming. And we're also going to be doing some ikaros, some medicine songs. So they're really, really big. I mean, all of our ceremonies song, songs are, at least for me. So that's, it's um, something that helps to, because, you know, sound, it's a frequency. It's a vibration, as you know. So it's something that helps to relax our energy fields or, or, and go with our energy bodies and resonate at a different frequency. And it also helps to seal the healing in a lot of cases, especially in cases like when, when you're doing soul retrieval work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, you hit on a lot there. The there's different sounds you would use for individuals and group when you're you're holding space for groups. Uh, you also mentioned ikaros. Can you talk a little bit about ikaros and and feel free to share anything that comes up in terms of if any come to mind that you want to share. But what is an ikaro and when do you use that? And yeah, I think that's a really interesting topic that maybe not everyone knows about. So ikaros, there the word. Uh... I use it from uh, the Quechua tradition, um, but we have also medicine songs just generally because they're it's in all indigenous traditions, indigenous traditions of the Americas, particularly. I'm, I'm sure in, throughout the world as well, but I'm speaking of the Americas. They are used to a lot of the times when I do Icaros is I'm um, in a sense, and not everybody does this, of course. It depends on what kind of Icaro you're doing. A lot of times when I do uh, more tribal, like tribal kind of, of, of songs, like with the, with like drumming and like repetitive kind of things. I'm definitely invoking the ancestors. Sometimes mm-hmm. I invoke the ancestors of my ancestors. Sometimes it's a cultural kind of experience. And it's also, um, and th- this also comes from a, a tradition to Mesoamerican. It's believed that when you engage in sacred ceremony in song, you release and you share this, this energy of goodwill through your teolia, through your heart. And it's expanded and it's released into the community when you're doing performing and you're singing and you're doing it in a sacred space. So that, that's 
kind of borrows it from the understanding of how to work Icaros in a ceremonial setting. Beautiful. So do you have a, a drum near you right now you could share? Uh, I, just... don't. I, I, I... <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I It's downstairs in my Kudam de Dismal room. This is, my, this is my office, my little library here. Next, next time oh my, we'll do my, my, my library, all my, my books, my walls of books. Oh yeah. Yes. You, you have to have that feed the left brain, right? <laughs> feed the soul. But actually it's been very much right and left for me. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds that way for sure. So an Ikoro is a medicine song. Is that what I heard? And then when you're, when you are invoking the energy of the song, you're not only doing it for an individual, you're doing it for a collective and you're doing it, the benefits reach beyond just you as an individual, as we seem to think of ourselves as an individual body or a mind, but to our community, but also maybe through our ancestors as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, can you can you explore that a little bit more and what your, your experience of that has been? Because I think this, is a, this isn't a topic I think a lot of people discuss in terms of when we think about healing, we think about, oh, I'm going to go my back's going to feel better, or I'm going to have less stress in my mind. But we don't really think of the effects on our community and on our ancestors and on a collective level. Would you mind speaking to that a little bit and what your experience is and what, if I'm thinking about it correctly? Well, uh, let's see. Okay. For me, I think it happened very organically, personally. And it was organically because it was one of those things where, like, for example, when I began connect, connecting very much with Maria Sabina, who worked in the Masatek tradition. And the Masatek tradition, they heal with mushrooms, psilocybin mushrooms. Uh-huh. And I was very much, I felt very much drawn to her. And it was, it was very, it's, it's, it's a very cultural kind of thing. Um, and I, I, it's a, I feel like very much connected to her. And she, I read one of her poems and I read some, some, some words in, in Masatek. In, and then I began singing, making it into a song. And the next thing you know, I'm getting my rattle and I'm, I'm singing. And, and I'm singing and I feel like you know, I'm very much connected. And people tell me in ceremonies that I begin shape-shifting. <laughs> mm-hmm. Whether it's it's medicinal or not, just, just you know, I begin yeah. shape-shifting. It's, it's one of those things. It's just, and it Do you find yourself shape-shift just out of curiosity? Or is it something other people visually see or you feel it? <laughs> I feel it. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And what is that feeling like? What does it feel to ship, shape shift into a different form? There's different experiences that I've had personally. There was one experience many, many years ago, and I talk about this in my my book, my new book, Sacred Energy. No, it's actually no, it's actually my new book, Animal Animal Medicine. It's coming out in 2021. Actually, I talk about animal medicine and shape, mm-hmm. and I talk about. One of them, uh, many, many years ago, when my husband and I, we first met, this is many years, uh, over a decade ago, when we were first dating, we engaged in a private mushroom ceremony together. And it was in a very much in a ceremonial setting. We invoke, it's not like, hey, we party, it's have an experience, very much honoring the spirit of grandfather mushrooms. And it's a beautiful ceremonial. Um, and during that experience, he had a, cri- a crisis of faith looking at me like he didn't know who he was. He was questioning mm. like, who am I? Like he wanted me to tell him who he was. And I, so I guided him through the journey. And this is like very, at the very beginning. And then about two years later, we had another ceremony and he had a similar experience, but this time he just was like, he just flowed. He's like, I'm love. I'm love. I am everywhere. I am nothing. I am essence. And I knew what he was going through. And it was like, I knew exactly what to do. I went and, and it was a full moon. 
And where he was in, I went in his back and I started touching certain acupressure in, in his back. Like I knew exactly what I was doing. It was very intuitive. I knew mm. exactly what I was doing. And at that experience, we both started shape shifting. We both experienced and and I know this. And, and, and it was one of those things that it was we both knew. We both experienced it, how it was. It was beautiful. It was exhilarating. It was exciting. The next day, we had to go to brunch with his family. And we're both vegetarian. And we had both been vegetarian for a while. And that morning, we went to brunch where we both ordered steaks that were like medium rare. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> it's like, just make it bloody. We knew there was something like, because we were both like coming into, like, we were with something we'd like shifted and tapped into. It was like, whoa, we were both like, we both need steak, you know? Yeah, that's wild. That's wild. <laughs> and it, did you get a sense of, was it an animal that you shape shifted into or a diff, were Various. you not sure? Tr- yeah. Very. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. That, yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, that's, well, it's not a conversation you have every day with, with, uh, about, changing shapes. I think it's a far expanding the, uh, the idea of who we are kind of questioning. I've looked in the mirror before just in my own eyes and I start changing the borders of my body and the eyes look different and different energies around and through me. It's, it's, it is a very interesting experience. Yeah. And the thing is, and, and remembering this too, is that there's not one type of shape-shifting. And that's mm-hmm. what I talk about in my book that's coming out in 2021. That, and this is something you can see in a lot of the artwork of the Maya. In mayabase.com, if you ever go to that, you see the artwork when they're engaging in shape-shifting practices that it looks different in various aspects. Some people, they're like different animals, different zoomorphic. They're doing different things. Different things are going on. And that's also like this. We can have, we can experience an etheric shape-shifting, an astral shape-shifting. We can have a physical shape-shifting. We can also, this is more rare, the bilocation, but there's many aspects of it that we don't necessarily, some of us, when we experience it etherically and we think we're journeying as an animal, there's a part of our consciousness that that actually becomes that and starts journeying that on an etheric realm. So it, mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot more common than we think. Yeah. And yeah, it's, yeah. it's also very much, it's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, no question. I mean, I think one of the bigger questions as a as human beings is like who the who am I question, right? And it starts to the lines get kind of blurred. You kind of want to define yourself as this or that, but then when you start to experience something on this level of yourself as another animal or as looking at something different than what you typically see with your eyes. And frankly, we shapeshift as human beings. I mean, when we're 10 years ago, we look different than we do today. We are literally physically looking different and feeling different. And we're kind of doing it at a different rate. So it's like the question is of time in a sense. Some people just shapeshift a lot faster than others and, and depends how you look at it. But I think it's a fascinating principle. Oh, yeah. And, uh, oh, yeah. yeah. We're always changing. Everything is like everything's it's constant flow. It's the natural flow of the universe change. Absolutely. And if you resist that flow, I feel like it may play into problems, problems in the physical, emotional, mental realm. If you resist change, are you, are you, are your prana or energy is not flowing well or. Absolutely. You might have a fall on fall off a cliff and have multiple injuries like I did. Yeah, well, <laughs> like resisting, like no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm gonna be on journey. I'm gonna do this. I'll make this work. No, no, no. Yeah, things happen. Situations happen where it's like, okay, well, now you're gonna, now we're gonna force you. <laughs> For sure. 
Now, can you talk a little bit about soul retrieval, what, what that is? Um, okay. So basically it's when it's the understanding that one, that soul, and this is, this is again, drawing from Mesoamerican traditions. Other people may have different understandings of it. So I can't speak for everybody and what that is. So it's the understanding that energy, our soul is sacred essence energy, and it's concentrated in certain places of our body. And because of various experiences, we have, including traumas and different kinds of traumas and not honoring ourselves, our, our sacred essence energy can leave. It's like it goes into what's known as the non-ordinary realms, underworld, middle world, and upper world, because it's getting medicine there. Maybe in the underworld because, you know, maybe it needed, it needed to feel safe, needed to feel like sheltered. It needed to be in a cave, like left alone. It may be in a middle world because someone's stuck in another time or another space where they need to have things resolved. It may be in an upper world because they're not willing to face the things that they need to face. And that's where they're getting medicine from. So it's, it goes into spaces where our, our sacred essence energy, where it's getting medicine from. But what ends up happening is, is that it depletes us. We, if we get so much, we're, we're fragmented so much. We're not able to manifest with impeccability. We get sick. We have reoccurring patterns in our life that are sometimes not fun. A lot of times not fun. Uh, maybe it's pernicious boss or horrible relationships or just things keep repeating and repeating and repeating until it's like, deal with this issue. And it's a way to start honoring ourselves because, you know, in certain shamanic traditions, and this is the way, again, my, my teachers taught me. And, and I think this has a lot to do with the paradigm shift too. Of I'm the healer. I'm going to heal you. I do all the work for you. It's helping people to strengthen that connection of energy and showing them this is how you need to honor yourself because energy will always naturally come back to us if we are honoring ourselves. If we haven't, if, if it's something that we haven't addressed, something haven't, we haven't resolved, something we haven't looked at, it's, has, it's not going to come back. But when we start addressing, we start honoring ourselves, we start discovering what that looks like and letting go of bad habits, then our energy starts coming back. And you know, it's believed that in these traditions that you go into cardinal spaces, you go into the South for a space of discovery and, the, the, and understanding. You go into the space of the West of releasing the space where the, the sun sets and of releasing shadow aspects. You go to the space of the North of connecting to your faith and the, the space of East of new beginnings. That Every time you go to and honor these, these cardinal spaces that are believed to be divinities of their own, and different animal spirit guides and all these beautiful things are connected to these cardinal spaces that you get sacred essence energy as well. So as you're doing the work, you get revitalized to do the work and you get momentum to want to continue to do the work. So those soul pieces start coming back to us organically and naturally. Mm. So all of us have soul fragments of some sort that are that that through trauma or some some kind of issue that we've lost or we've become disconnected from? Is that, is that my understanding? A lot of us do. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, how many people have you heard that they hate their jobs, that they don't know what they're doing, they're lost, or they're in a horrible relationship because of financial reasons or X, Y, and Z, that the ways that they're not honoring themselves, yeah, that creates soul loss. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And that's a good percentage of our Western civilization. And so a way... So the way the solution here from from through the eyes of shamanic healing or through a quote and data is through 
first honoring ourselves is that, or, or primarily honoring our, our nature or so you said honor ourselves? Is that it's, what a big, it's a big chunk of it, but like going to that part of you that has been lost, finding out what the core root of it is, because it could be in a different lifetime, finding out the core root and, and, and talking to that, that part of you and being like, how can I love you? How can I honor you? What do I need to let go of? Um, and also building your faith in that process and being ready to take steps for new beginnings. So honoring ourselves looks differently in different aspects, but going to that part of us and having and healing that, those parts of us that need the medicine. That sounds really, really amazing. What is, what does, is this something you can do on your own or something you would be guided through in a, in a session or multiple sessions or how, how does it, how does somebody in like the West go about doing this? Well, I feel personally, and, and a lot of my clients have said too, that, and I always encourage people to continue doing the work that sometimes they'll be driving and they feel like a part of them comes back. They're like, whoa, like they feel it because they know that they've been doing their work. They've been doing all this. And um, in a session, I might hold a space where it builds that, 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 that connection. Because And there's some practitioners that they practice soul retrieval where they bring that piece back and they put it back to that, that person. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, so it can, it can happen in various ways. I personally like to do it in a space where I encourage people to do their work and I feel that it can happen organically. It may happen in a session with me at that time, or it may happen as they're honoring themselves just on their own, because that energy will come back to them because that connection has already made. Like I facilitate that connection being made. Yeah. I I facilitate that connection being made. The more that they do the work, the more that they do the work that will come back. So it can be in one session. It can be if that person's really good about doing their work and it can be various. It just depends on what the person also feels comfortable with as well. And I, and I talk, I give a lot of instructions and good on these Some people, they, they feel more comfortable just with the facilitator, which is cool too. Um, uh-huh. that can get expensive. So I, I, cause one of the things that, that I, I started saying is like, let me just give you the tools. And that's what I did in the book, good on the It's like, let me give you the tools that you need so you can start doing this, some of the work. Yes, I can guide you through a lot of it, but I'm still going to give you homework. So you still know how to do what you need to do. So if somebody is really interested in delving further into their own, empowering themselves to feel whole again in whatever their various areas and honoring themselves, that's a good start with that book. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I'm, and I'm thought when you, when you're speaking here, I'm brought back to a session I had with somebody and a treatment years and years ago, and she had fractured an ankle. And it'd been going on for, and she kept refracturing it, refracturing it, and just issues with that side over and over and over again. And during, I had no intention of, I, my intention was just to help her in physical therapy and do some energy work. And, but she had this kind of, it was her moment or her time for her awareness to come through. And she went back into this moment where she remembered being thrown off a motorcycle, like long, long time ago, before this even was a problem. And it created almost like an energetic problem in her ankle or when she landed and, and she was brought through some, some past memories that she had forgotten about that related to the healing. And I won't get into the details, but it was fascinating to hear how we store traumas in the body. It's always been an, a, very, a major interest of mine in this field of, of health and wellness. And, and when you talk to people and you're doing energy, any type of energy medicine work and how our body does store trauma and why we don't remember certain things, why we block those, those things and when and why we're ready at certain times to heal and move forward. And 
because we always think we want to heal. Like, why would I want to feel bad? Why would I want to have to continue to have this bad relationship at work or at home or poor finances or poor health? Why, on a conscious level, we don't choose that. We don't want that. But on another level, we do. Very interesting. So as you're speaking, I'm, it's, it's really nice to speak about how to approach true, true healing and health and retrieving your energy, your soul's energy, correct? Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like that lady definitely needed to feel safe <laughs> to make sure that that wasn't, she knew that was never going to happen to her again. Mm. That was never going to happen to her again. It's like, whatever it was, I mean, that's just what I picked up. It's just definitely mm-hmm. something, no, you're never going to feel that way and you're safe and I got you. And, you know, yeah. Yeah. So that, that could start coming back. But yeah, that's, it's definitely stored. A lot of that is stored in our astral body. A lot of the past life experience. Yeah. So your, your website is named, uh, it's, uh, is Realize Your Bliss. Is that correct? Yes. The reason I'm circling around to that is because, so a lot of people that are seeking your help, I'm sure in the moment, they're not feeling bliss. Is that, is that correct? Mm, yeah. They're looking, they're looking for bliss that, yeah. So we are all in our healing path where, where is, what are we always connected to bliss when we're, when we're feeling, when we're feeling low, we're feeling depressed, we're feeling heavy, we're feeling hurt, we're feeling in pain. <laughs> How do we relate to bliss? We're just wanting to feel some sort of peace or hope, let alone bliss. Can right. you talk about your kind of your perspective on how to how to talk to somebody when they're in pain and what to think about and how to move towards realizing bliss from a place of opposite of bliss? Well, one of the things is is uh, first I want to find out where the person is at in terms of faith, because uh, a big part of curanderismo is it involves some kind of faith, whatever it is, and I uh-huh. would honor wherever the person's, if they have faith or lack thereof, because that's, 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 they don't, there's no faith that there's going to, we're going to have some difficulty. <laughs> well, how do you, de- how do you f- define faith? For me, it's, it's, well, I mean, in terms of faith is understanding one that there's more than meets the eye and that God, whatever you want to call God, spirit, creator, creatrix, uh, whatever you want to call is, is a principle of divine love. And that we are infinite our true essence our divine birthright is to be infinite we have the right to create ideal reality we have our right to have all the wonderful things that whatever we choose for in this life and finding out where are we going where we're manifesting where we're not manifesting with impeccability what do we need to release what do we need to let go of and doing really having ownership of that and clearing those things. And that's not, it's not, it's, it's easier said than done. It's a process. Sure. A process. So it's, it's understanding one where a person, where the person's faith is at and how much faith they have or awareness that they have or where they've been. I want to find out them where they are. Cause it's, it's never, I don't have a cookie quarter, cutter kind of approach in things. I want sure. to find out where the person is at, what's going on with them. What about what's going on with their life? And then we'll go into the journey then we'll go into what needs to be done. And I will always, my hope and inspiration is to help inspire people to remember that we can create, that we have that ability to heal. And in that process, we're doing that. We have to be compassionate and patient with ourselves and loving with ourselves too. Very beautiful. Yes. Yeah. I mean, 
I think I see so many people struggling and, um, and having a hard time manifesting. And I think a lot of people have lost faith in a lot of things. Uh, so it's, it's a, it, it is a process. And ha- when you forget that you are divine love, cause I think there is some kind of, it's not like we, it's not easily accessible to a lot of human beings, that memory. Yeah. Yeah. I, I worked with somebody, um, and um, I talk about this in, in Purandarismo Soul Retrieval, who was uh, just a straight up like atheist, atheist, mm-hmm. atheist. And I, I just looked and I just kind of like giggled a little bit, but he really wanted to work with me. And I was like, okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> all right. You know, I have my, my book where I have like all my saints and my candles and I have Archangel Michael and I have Our Lady of Guadalupe. I have all these different like religious and spiritual um, and Buddhas and different things going on. Right. And I'm like, okay, you want to work with me? And I'm like, well, you're going to need some kind of faith. And one of the things that I had him do was I had him ask himself, like, where have you felt in life where you felt the most peace? And one of them was in nature. So I had him do some certain things where I hadn't, I hadn't do. And like, okay, you have to just trust me on this is to bring offerings every time he went for a hike. And what that was one of his homeworks I had him do is go on a hike and bring offerings. And the next thing he knew when he was going, he was actually animals started coming over, one of them being a crow. And he brought it over and, and the crow picked it up and then later brought it to him. Like he started seeing all these synchronicities like happening. He started like becoming aware, like, ah, I was like, well, maybe, mm. you know, is it agnostic? Am I, aid? you know, like questioning. And he started opening up to himself mm. and started like being more, just, just oh, open. Yeah. <laughs> Which is really beautiful. And, and now he's like off antidepressants. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, to, to recognize synchronicities, is it, do you feel like he was in that situation? Are you creating synchronicities or are the synchronicities already there and you need to become aware that they're always happening? All of the above. Yeah. All of the above. It's never that simple. We're, we're always playing a part and the universe is always playing its part too. Yes. Beautiful. Yeah. So with, do you use mantras at all or t- their toning or any kind of oh, yeah. specific sounds for, to facilitate in these ceremonies? I'm just want to round out again to the sound aspect and where uh, any, any kind of um, anything you can speak to around sound or music and mantras and the soul retrievals and, and retrieving energies. Is there anything you'd like to speak on? about that? Well, yeah. In Corandarismo uh, Soul Retrieval, I actually have a lot of the vishas, um, the sound seeds for uh-huh. the different energy centers. And the Maya and the uh, Mexica or Central Mexican people didn't use the words chakras. They had different words for them and different understandings of where the our soul energy was concentrated at because um, it's also believed to be in our in our chakras as well. I, I'm gonna, just going to use that term. Sure. Um, and I, I go through uh, the different sounds of Bija, so the uh, and through all in all of my classes, I always, always, always use sound. I always use sound to stimulate the energy centers um, because everything that has ever, ever happened to us is stored in our energy centers as well. So I always like to use sound to help stimulate that and to release that energy and to journey with those experiences. So yeah, it's, um, I always do, I always use, as far as um, mantras go, it depends. It depends. If someone's depressed, I may have them create a mantra for themselves and 
basically tell them like, I don't care if you're forcing yourself, you got to say this, you got to say five things. You start with five things that are absolutely amazing about you. And you say it and you say it, you say it, you say it until you start believing it. You start knowing it. You start like saying it with conviction and you force yourself to do it. So that could be a mantra that I might have them do. And I, I feel that that's very useful because that's neuroplasticity in action. So we mm-hmm. our brains when we're using uh, mantras and we're saying something positive repeatedly, 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 we're wiring our neurons to, to think positively and to having our hormones like release good, good just our, our, just our amygdala reduce, re, release good hormones and through, through mantras. Yes. So we use mantras and sound. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and did some of your teachers use uh, music more than others or sounds more than others? And it, it, have you seen some, cause I can like, sometimes when I'm sitting, I am chanting or singing. I can, there's a literally a shift. I talk about it as a shift in consciousness through yeah. sound. Yeah. I think most of them, especially when they were doing limpias for me, um, uh-huh. they would do prayers and some would do like, they were mantra itch. Uh-huh. Oh, and it was like, it was like, but it was like done in like in a song kind of thing. Yeah. They would have me like get involved. It's like, you know, okay, say your name and what you would like to be clear. And then they're like doing like the, the limpia, like as I did with the Quran, Norande, they would do different, their own types of, of songs and prayers as they were doing limpias. So, and yeah. so are these, for those of us that are interested in learning this, this type of work, it, do you have to find a, a teacher or do you, can, how, what is the best way of, of preserving this lineage. And that's one question. And the second one is, how do you learn these songs and these prayers? Are they passed on orally or is there somewhere we can go and find them and learn them? Uh, yes. Okay. So um, in terms of the traditions of curanderismo, I have, I have a, a few books that are out on curanderismo. I have uh, Cleansing Rites of Curanderismo, Curanderismo Soul Retrieval, and I have a new book coming out in July, The Sacred Energies of the Sun and Moon, and they all draw from Curanderismo traditions. Chio, uh, uh, Dr. Torres, he teaches over at the University of New Mexico. He teaches a Curanderismo course. Um, you can find a few things on the internet. Um, it's becoming more, it's, it's so cool because a lot, of my, my ment- my, a lot of my mentees from like, I don't know, like eight years ago, they're like now coming on their own as curanderas, curanderos. And it's like, yeah, you know, so it's becoming more apparent. In terms of a lot of it is in, is in Mexico, different parts of Mexico. You, I mean, you have to go there and they're not necessarily, they have like websites, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, now some of them, they have phones now and they have WhatsApp. That's a good thing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Most of them do, but before, back when I was starting, I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so there's, there's that. And then in terms of the access to the songs, I actually have a, a SoundCloud, uh, Casa Bonaflor. Um, that's the SoundCloud. We have a lot of our, you can download for free, a lot of our medicine songs. Uh, oh, great. Our tribe, uh, which the late uh, Diego um, de, uh, Palma, um, oh, yeah. he, he has a lot, of, a lot of the songs that you can download for free, the chords, the music. Uh, that was something that's just like, oh, I love that man for that. Um, so they're out there. They're out what there. was the name of that site for Diego de Palma? Sacred Valley Tribe. That's right. Sacred Valley yeah. Tribe. Okay, yeah. great. And you have a SoundCloud called, uh, can you spell the SoundCloud? Sure, C-A-S-A dot Buenaflor, B-U-E-N-A-F-L-O-R. Okay, great. And we'll put that on our website too, uh, to, uh, with a link there. Yeah, uh, I'll, have to, I'll have to ask my husband to double check. 
learn about uploading songs because I've been writing, but we're going to get better. We're going to get better. Also, a lot of my social media, I have a lot of my Ikoro's my medicine songs on my Instagram and Facebook. Okay. I have, I have a lot of the tribos as well, too. Okay, perfect. And then people that want to learn um, this path, are you a mentor to others? Like, do you do trainings or how would, how, how could so they contact I you? I have classes. I do uh, two classes a month and they're usually on a specific topic. You know, if somebody wants to work with me personally, it's, it's a session, it's a mentoring session. And it's, I have one, one price for all the things that I do. But generally, what, what's accessible for everybody is I do have classes that I teach a month. And I have different topics that I focus. This month, for example, you know, mid-month, I'm going to be doing shamanic dream work class on intuition development. At the end of the last Sunday of the month, it's going to be ancestral healing class. And I, I guide people through it, but I also teach people how to do that for others as well. So I was like, in all my classes, it's like you're getting the healing and you're also getting taught on how to do that for others as well. And this is in person or online? Both. But oh, right, now, great. right now it's online. It's virtual right. because of, well, the pandemic, but usually it's, it's in person, but now we're making it both in person and online as well, virtual. So okay. that's, that's something we we've been like, oh yeah, this is, this, we need to have this for everybody. <laughs> that's perfect. Cause it, it seems to me, there's not a lot of people that, I mean, you seem very unique in what you're doing and what you're offering and especially from this tradition. So I think it's really wonderful to have access yeah for people have access to you and, and that you're offering these things. Yeah. So, and I think it comes at a great time. And as more and more people are looking not only for healing, but the healers are looking for ways to help others. And up, we're all looking to uplift each other, you know? Absolutely. And um, I, I think one more question I have for you is, is if somebody did want a one-on-one session with you, what, what does it look like exactly? Like how, how, so you talked a little about the intake and asking questions and where they're at. Uh, and then what is the actual soul retrieval or the, the actual session look like? Well, it, I'd like if they, unless they have a specific idea of what they want to do. I like to do things fluidly where first they tell me what their concerns are. And then after they tell me what their concerns are, what's been going on, then I do a journey where I let them know what I'm doing. I offer their I am presence clearing. I mean, depending on what they tell me, what they need, I address all those things specifically. And I, I basically tune in to see if there's certain connections that need to be made with soul pieces. So it depends on what they tell me. It's it's I like to do things very fluidly. Although my website have different types of sessions, I always like to say, can I, can we just work more intuitively? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like a specific, you want to do divination work, you want to do something. I always like, can I just tune into you? Is that okay? Or can you tell me what you need and what you want? Beautiful. Yeah. And that's, so that can go any number of ways. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 I have to ask this just because you've you've hit you've touched upon intuition a little bit. You've talked to, touched upon shape shifting. We talked about ancestors. How do you when you connect into your inner guidance? Because it sounds like you you do that a lot, and you're very. It's kind of just easy for you, or you developed over time. What is that experience like for you? Do you feel like you connect to to angels or guides or some? What is what is, is it? Just a higher awareness, or what, do you tap into like all that is? What is your experience like? I just. You know, I have to ask that. After my accident, I became like, like, um, like a receptor. <laughs> mm. I was remembering things from the Bible and I had never read the Bible. Wow. And that's why actually I was like, I'm going to take a, I'm going to get a master's in religious studies because there's, uh, I need to understand. Cause I was, I was learning things about Serastianism. I didn't know what Serastianism was. 
like I was I was getting downloaded with so many different information from so many different traditions. I was like, okay, guys, let's let's just let's just be slow a little bit. <laughs> wow, that's incredible so, from your accident. Wow. Yeah, I just I mean, before that, I was always very much tuned in with angels. I loved elementals. I loved fairies. I loved sweet things. And I loved images of the divine. I was always like connected. I, I didn't grow up in any religious tradition, which was actually pretty cool because I didn't I didn't feel like anything was forced on me. But I loved I actually did like going to church with my friends, like whether it was Buddhist or whether it was whatever it was, because I like that sense of community and that sense of faith. Sure. So I, it's, I mean, I'm not necessarily of a particular religion and I consider myself like connected with everything and I like to also study it. And so um, it's really, it's very like in a, in a session with people, sometimes like I'll get connected to Orishas and, I, and I'm not saying, I'm not like, I don't practice Santeria or I don't, I, but I get connected to them and I hear them and I tell them and that's what they have. And um, I've been connected with Muhammad. I'm not, I'm not Muslim. <laughs> it's just, and, and it just varies. It just varies. I just allow myself to be open to trust to the divine. Mm-hmm. And you find that guidance is accurate. As you as you tune into these, yeah, I hope levels. so. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 usually on point. They're like, oh, it's like they're like, how did you know that? What did you know? I was like, I don't know. This is what's coming up. <laughs> yeah, fascinating. That really is fascinating. Well, thank you so much for your time and your energy and presence and, and all that you're offering. And I, I know that uh, people listening will find a lot of value and hopefully they'll find you, those that need to, through whatever avenue they, they need to, including this. So any any closing words, any closing thoughts? Let's see. Oh, I didn't mention. So the IG is uh, erica.buenaflor underscore curandera, C-U-R-A-N-D-E-R-A. I have one of my most recent tribal songs, medicine songs, Shamonika Ne, that, that if people want to hear, I have a lot of the medicine songs on there too. Um, okay, perfect. Yeah, so. Along awesome. With- yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Great, so a lot of ways to access your the singing and the songs and uh, your teachings. So thank you so much. And uh, I really hope we can do, maybe we could do a follow-up session and down the road with actual, uh, using the drum and actually making it instead of talking with like some, like actually bringing people through a journey with from some sound. Is that, is that doable on this kind of medium? <laughs> That'd be doable. <laughs> That'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you for joining us on Sound Medicine, Mantras and Music. If you are enjoying the podcasts, click subscribe. To access other episodes, more interviews and music, please visit our website at www.mantrasandmusic.com. That's www.mantrasandmusic.com. Join us next Thursday for the release of our newest episode. Thanks again for your support. See you next week.